Nobody sits down to a meal of salt. You put salt on something else. And so the image that Jesus is giving us is that we exist for others. We exist to pass on what we have to the next generation, to those who, who don't have what we have. Necessarily, faith must be shared, must be passed on. You say this is the whole point of Catholic education. As we come to the end of Catholic Schools Week to continue that conversation, both Catholic schools and faith formation in general exist to pass on the faith. And there's a lot of opinions on how faith formation should be done and what should be taught in Catholic schools. But I think a question we want to start with is, what's the point of it? Like, what's the point of Catholic education, faith formation? It can't be just to pass on to the next generation. Any more than, you know, learning math is just so that we can have future math teachers who can teach math to the next generation. Because then it's just self-referential and it falls apart. In fact, kids are kind of smart. They know that like, if dad doesn't ever use trigonometry, then they're like, well, why do I have to know trigonometry? Like, maybe algebra, but really even that, I don't know how often I use but it's not, our knowledge, our, our education isn't just to be passed on, but it's to, it's to live, right? Say anything, anything we learn, whether it's you know, teaching your child how to, to get dressed, to teaching them how to drive a car, to teaching them how to read, the, the point is so that they can live well in society, be a good citizen, be a good contributing member to the human race, to live well. And this is going to be the same for our religious education. Our Catholic formation is not so we have a bunch of Catholic facts, but that we can live well the life of grace. So then the next question would be, is that, has that been effective? Has that been effective? There's been some studies that have been coming out in recent years, um, and one of those studies suggests that uh, whether or not a young person went to Catholic school, faith formation, youth group, it has no correlation to whether they're still practicing the faith 10 years after they're, they're out of high school. No correlation, much less causation. That's not promising. So what's, what's, the, what's the problem? And when we see this, I mean, no, we don't need rocket scientists to tell us that like, we've been seeing a mass exodus in, in the church. And this isn't a Catholic problem. This is, this is all denominations, all faith practice has been going down and down and down. But I think it's, it's good to look back and see how we kind of got to where we are because when did, when did faith formation, religious ed, sort of come on the scene anyway? The early church doesn't have any like, religious ed classes. Like unless you were a new convert coming into the church, uh, you just lived the faith in your family. There, there was no program for it. 
So I think, I think really if we can pinpoint a, a place where things start to shift, and this isn't a, this isn't a deep historical survey, by the way, but you see at the at Reformation, the Council of Trent gave us the, the first universal catechism. Why? Well, because for the first time in, in Europe's history in particular, which was everybody was Catholic, right? It's like you, you didn't need to learn what the faith, you just lived it. Everybody, everybody knew it. The culture kind of just imbued it into you. Well, now that's not the case. Now we got all sorts of voices saying, well, no, this is true and that's not true and we're going to do this and we're not going to do that. And then all of a sudden you need a definitive voice to say, ah, nope, here's the book. Here are the things that are true. Here are the things that are false. Catholics follow these things. And so then it becomes a propositional faith. But that's not what we're about, right? And we see this carry on into, uh, into America. So in the late 1800s, we see the Baltimore Catechism come on the scene. And again, because we live in a Protestant state, we can't just take what they're teaching us in the public schools they had religious ed in public schools, there's a religion class in, in public schools, but as a Protestant religious ed. And so let's, let's get to our Baltimore Catechism. And so even in some places, it wasn't uncommon that the priest or the nun or the catechist would come into the public school for religion class and the Catholics would get to go over here and have their religion class and then they'd come back to, with their Protestant friends who had had their religion class. But after that, kind of like, well, we're not teaching religion in, in public schools at all. Now it got relegated to the, to the parishes. Okay, so now what we have is your kids go to school all day long and sit in a classroom. And then Wednesday nights, they come back to the church and sit in a classroom again. And just like from my, you know, limited experience of having been a teenager, that sounds like a terrible plan. Like we were so thrilled for those eight hours of the first part of the day that we want to go sit for another couple hours in religious ed. The generation I grew up in was the CCD generation. Uh, that stands for uh, the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. It's about as riveting as it sounds. Like, ooh, wow, oh, this sounds like a great confraternity. Well, but this, this is where, where, we, where we were. And now we have a, a list of things, and it's, it's, a, school, it's a school subject. It's, it's a topic to, to learn stuff. And if I want to pass to the next level, I need to pass the test. Well, what's the next level? Well, whatever the next sacrament is. First, first communion, well, I have to memorize these certain prayers, and I have to memorize these certain, you know, these Ten Commandments, and I have to, have to be able to do, recite these sorts of things. And then I'm, then I'm kind of good. I mean, like, well, who goes to religious ed in between First Communion and Confirmation? Like, I don't, I don't need the knowledge for anything. I don't need knowledge again until I'm preparing for another sacrament and I need to pass a test to get that sacrament. And so we've made the sacraments into like the, the gold ribbon or the, the, the graduation certificate or the carrot on the stick to try to keep our kids interested in coming to church. And I've literally heard priests and bishops say that because there's always a conversation of if if confirmation makes us soldiers for Christ gives us the weapons we need to to fight for him and defend ourselves against the onslaught of the world why are we waiting until they're already midway into the battle to give them this grace why not give it to them in fifth or sixth grade before the major temptations of life begin so they're prepared for it 
oh, well, because if we gave it to them at sixth grade, then we wouldn't have any way to keep them until high school, into their high school years. Oh, okay. Well, how's that been working? Well, again, the studies have shown that 80% of those who get confirmed, we never see again. Now, what the study doesn't show is that we really didn't see them before they came to get that sacrament that they're supposed to get because mom or dad or grandma told them that they were supposed to, and then once they got it, they're done. And there's no sacrament after that until marriage, and so sometimes we see them again at marriage, although those, may, those numbers have been plummeting like crazy. And so we've set up this system, this religious education system that's, that's based on this kind of reward model for something that I don't really find all that rewarding in most situations. But I think we're at the end of an era. I think we're getting to the, to the point, we're on the precipice where something's got to give. Because the generation that's telling, the current generation that's coming to get a sacrament, hey, no, you got to get the baby baptized and you, you got you to gotta go get confirmed because, you know, that, that's the important thing to do. And like that generation is fading away. And this next generation who's been popping in for the sacraments, I don't think that they're going to have the same insistence for their kids and grandkids. And so if we just take another generation and hand them the sacraments, we might never see that generation again. I think it's actually time to, 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 to switch our, our mentality and switch our tactics and to get our religious education, whether it's in the, in the parish or whether it's in the school, out of, uh, out of an academic sort of mindset and into a lived reality. Because if religious education exists to help me live well, then I got to live it. Knowing it doesn't do me a whole lot of good. And so we, we see even, even 100 years ago or so, you read the stories of, you know, St. Therese. She wasn't going to a CCD class. She was living and praying with her family. And they would talk about the saints they would read scripture and they would, they would go to mass and they would celebrate the feast days and they'd celebrate the fast days and they'd go to the religious processions and the 40 hours devotions. Faith was something that was lived and that's how it was handed on. That's how it's always handed on. It can't be handed on in a classroom. And what St. Paul says in the second reading to the Corinthians, he says, when I came to you, I preached one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. It's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a comprehensive uh, formation package. It's just, hey, Jesus made you. He loves you. We're sinners. He died for you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Great. What else do I need to know? Really not much. You just, need to, you just need to believe and desire. And this, this is the requirement and the only requirement for any of the sacraments. Faith and desire. That's it. Think about this. Why do most parishes have a two-year confirmation program? 
It's two years long. I, like you're talking about confirmation the whole time. Like the sacrament is so in-depth that you have to talk about it for two years. I, I can tell you confirmation in like five seconds. Confirmation is a sacrament by which you become a soldier for Christ and you get the weapons and you need to fight for him. Namely, the, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are wisdom, counsel, fortitude, understanding, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Which ones do you want? The end. I mean, I got a four-year-old here who told his dad, hey, are you a soldier? Yeah. Is mommy a soldier? Yeah. But didn't the soldiers kill Jesus? Okay, so there's a little disconnect. Maybe we need a little bit more education, but he gets it. Why? Because he's here, right? You want religious education, the best classroom is right here every Sunday. And the other best classroom is your dining room table. If you're in those two places on a very, very regular basis, then we can pass on the faith. I read a study recently too, this is a, by, on a Protestant, the Protestant church, same, same thing, they're saying 25% of kids are actually staying in the faith, 25%, that's it. Those 25%, one of the leading factors was they had dinner together as a family, often, multiple times a week. That's, that's, the, that's the place where faith is, is passed on. Maybe, maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's not, that Jesus is talking about salt, and that's where we salt our food. That's where we salt our children. Now, this isn't to say that our Catholic schools are, are failure, failures, but it's to say we, we, want, to, we want to fortify our, our faith I want more of our, our children in our Catholic school because one, one grain of salt way out there in the world, good luck, you're not gonna taste that. But we get a lot of salt in one place and then other students come into that. That's, that's power. That's something that really happens. And, and the sacraments are meant to be power. But if we don't have faith and we don't have desire, then all it is is a ceremony. And the sacrament ends up being fruitless. We call it a dead sacrament. And actually, in the next, the next couple months, I want to I dive into the sacraments in a deeper way and, and look at this because we don't often talk about fruitless sacraments. But what we've been seeing is a generation of, of uh, those who call themselves Christian receiving sacraments where they're actually just pagans calling themselves Christian. And sacraments aren't magic. So we can't just, we can't just throw it on them and like, oh, something's going to happen because that's what we've been trying and it hasn't worked. So I'm not, I'm not saying this to like, let's, let's lose hope because where the Holy Spirit is, there's always hope. But we got to be smart too. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a battle that's why we're called the church militant. And so we gotta be smart, we gotta be strategic, and we gotta evaluate what's working, what's not working. My brothers and sisters, I'll, I'll do my job the best I can. You bring your, you bring your kids here, they're here every, every Sunday, year, week after week, month after month, year after year, they'll learn a lot of stuff. They'll learn a lot of knowledge. But until you put it into effect in your, in your household, it won't be a lived reality. It's just be something that the priest said or the teacher said 
where the catechist said, I memorized it for a little bit, but just like I don't see dad using algebra a whole lot, I don't really need this creed thing or the Ten Commandments either because I don't hear him reciting those around the house. So these are some of the things we're trying to do here, the rescue project. Let's get back to preaching Jesus and him crucified. Family faith formation, journey home. Let's get faith into the family. Let's have the family walking together and doing this together. Let's, let's give it a, let's give it a try. Because we are in a new, we're in a new era. And we can't do the things that worked maybe years ago. We've got to try something new. When we come here, when we come to the altar, we receive all the grace, all the power that the sacrament has provided. We have the faith and the desire to see it activated in our lives. So we don't have to, we don't have to worry like, oh, we've got to come up with a grand schema. No, i just got to live it. i get the grace to live it right here. Let's live it, and then we can pass on the faith. Then we can really be the salt and the light that we're called to be.